everyone, every one of you um, that you are seated here and everyone online as well watching via live streaming. Praise the Lord. A powerful uh, word to share with you this morning, living by 2020 spiritual vision. Amen. If you go to the optometrist, the optometrist will tell you the 2020 vision is the best. Amen. That means you can see everything. Amen. There is nothing blurry to you and nothing deemed to you. So 2020 spiritual vision. How many of us want that? Lift up your hands. Amen. You have what your pastor preaches. Whatever I preach, you can receive. Amen. That's right. Amen. Whatever I preach, you get. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you. Hallelujah. So living by 2020 spiritual vision, I want you to know that you have three pairs of eyes. Now, for those who are wearing glasses, you may have four. (laughs) So three pairs or three sets of eyes, the natural, the soulish, and the spiritual. The natural, the soulish, and the spiritual. All right? It matters which set of eye, which set of eyes you choose. Now, if you go back to the first fall of man, the beginning of the Bible or the beginning of mankind, the fall of man, the first fall of man was due to seeing. She didn't pick the apple. She didn't eat it, not until she had seen it. So the first temptation was to the eyes. If, if um, we can look at Genesis chapter 3, let's look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 5 to 7. Genesis chapter 3, verse 5 to 7. For God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, that's the devil talking, your eyes shall be opened and you shall be as gods knowing good and evil. And look at verse 6. And when the woman saw, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. And verse 7, and the eyes of them were opened and they knew that they were naked. All right, let's dig into the word. Now, I want you to recall the sermon last Sunday. I want you to remember the fall of Lucifer. The fall of Lucifer. Last Sunday, I gave you the revelation that devils were not made by God. God did not make Satan. And God did not make devils. God made angels. And they chose and they fell. And they became devils. So in the same way, God did not make sinners. God made people in his image, in his likeness. But people chose and they fell and they became sinners. And in the same way, God did not make sickness. God did not make suffering. God did not make poverty. People Sinned, and the consequences of their sin took the form, the shape of sickness and disease, poverty, strife, depression, 
self-pity and everything, suicide to go with it. God is not the origin of sickness and disease. He's not the origin of sin. He's not the origin of sorrow. So don't blame God for it. Amen? Amen. Everyone is responsible. Everyone is responsible. And we must and we can choose our own destiny. God is love. God is freedom. He inspires. He motivates. He saves. He delivers. He instructs. He directs. He supports. He provides for you. Can we say amen? This is very, very important that you know it and settle it in your heart once and for all. For you will hear a lot of contrasting voices, even among Christians, even among ministers. Okay, so let's now, the word of God will interpret the word. Okay, we don't interpret the word of God using our own mind. The word interprets the word. So let's go to James chapter 1, verse 14 and 15 in the Amplified Bible. So let's look at the temptation that happened to Eve and to Adam. Every person, so that would include Adam and Eve, every person is tempted when he's drawn away, enticed, baited. Now, I want you to highlight this very important three words that follow. Read that together with me. One, two, three. By his own desire. By his own. Not the devil's. By his own desire, lust, and passion. So you can't blame it on anyone. You can't blame it on your spouse. You can't blame it on your kids. You can't blame it on anyone. The Bible states it very, very clear. When temptation happens, it's because you have been enticed and baited by your own lust. Then the evil desire or the lust, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully matured, brings forth death. All right, so let's use this scripture and uh, get the light and the revelation and the understanding. How many of us are aging? How many of us are aging? Everyone, right? Aren't you growing? If you're growing, you're aging. So we've been born in the natural to die. In the natural, birth will lead to death. And that's why Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto you, you must be born again. So when we talk about natural aging, if you look at it from the the verse that we've just read from the book of James, natural aging is sin maturing. A child, when he was born, did not know how to sin. But before you know it, The child is lying. No one has to teach a child to lie. Every child knows how to lie. So when the person is growing, it's actually sin is maturing. How many of you have seen the youth, the teenagers, sin a lot? Sin. And you have to try to stop them from sinning. So aging is sin maturing and the body perishing. The body perishing. And then before you know it, life starts to leave the body and leading to both physical and eternal death. Death is life leaving the body. 
Death is life leaving the body. The spirit and soul leaving the body. Going to eternal death for a natural man. For one who is not born again. So it's very important, Jesus said, for every one of us to be born again. Once you are born again, you do not die anymore. Jesus said, don't you know? Don't you believe? If you believe me, you will never die. If you believe me, you will never die. So for those that have believed in Jesus, the life of God does not leave us. The life of God takes us to heaven. And then your body is completely rejuvenated. Your youth is completely renewed. Glory be to God. And in heaven, you'll be living at your maximum capacity. Amen. Everyone in heaven is beautiful. Everyone in heaven is wise. Everyone in heaven is loving. Everyone in heaven is joyful. Everyone in heaven will be shining in his or her fullest glory. Can we say amen? That's why the word of God says that those that he has called, he will also glorify. Amen? In the book of Romans. So let's go back to Adam and Eve. So Adam and Eve must have walked around that forbidden tree many times. Remember, they had to work on it. And they must have questioned God's commandment not to eat of the tree. Amen? Temptation did not just fall on them. The tempter had to know the impurity in the person, had to know the lust in that person. All right? So they must have questioned why they were not allowed to eat of that tree. The sin of independence from God, the doubt and the unbelief towards the word of God was talking to them, was being conceived in them. And then it started to grow and it continued to grow and it birthed and it birthed the independence and the rebellion. Why would they want that apple to be wise? Because they wanted to be independent. They wanted to have their own life. They wanted to have their own power, not having to depend on God. So what happened? That independence matured, and that independence brought about death, not only to themselves, but also to those around them. Because we have to understand that life comes from God. God is the origin of life. And if you want to be independent, that means you cut off the life. And if the life is cut off, what will happen? Like the vegetables will perish and wither and die. That's the natural dying process. And if you go back to Genesis again and look at their temptation, Eve, she engaged herself in a conversation with the devil. She engaged. She engaged herself in a conversation. She had been listening and she had been talking back and forth with the devil. The devil was enticing and drawing out the lust of the self, which was already present in them. And don't forget, Adam was not somewhere else. Adam was standing right next to her. She was able to just hand the apple to Adam and ask him to eat it. So he was not absent. He was right there with her, listening to the conversation. And I want you to see the changes that happen 
to her. All right? The woman's spirit of seeing. She was seeing. Every one of us can see the same thing. Like, for example, a pornographic picture. We can see the same pornographic picture but have different reactions. It's the spirit that matters. Amen? It's the spirit. So her spirit of seeing affected her soul. Her mind became twisted. Her rationale became twisted. God said that it's not good to eat of it, but she said that it's good for food. Can you notice that? So her mind is now reasoning against God. Her senses also became twisted. Instead of seeing it as a warning, instead of seeing a pornographic picture as a warning, as a warning, she sensed it as pleasant. She said it is pleasant. Her will was also affected. Instead of deciding against it and ran away from it and stopped the conversation of the devil, now she decided it. Her heart had also changed master. Instead of calling it rebellion, she called it wisdom. It's good to make one wise. I ask you a question. Can I ask you a question? Can the human soul be easily deceived? Absolutely. And and I want you to look at this. What happened to their eye? What happened to their eyes? Now, she did not just affect herself. She affected her husband, of course. And what happened to their eyes? Their eyes were open. Open to what? To the realm of sin. Their eyes were open to the realm of sin. And immediately they saw themselves naked, no longer covered. They could not see the glory of God anymore. The Bible did not say that God took away their glory. Their eyes were open. They saw themselves naked. It's it's the same for a lot of Christians. They could not see the glory of God upon them. They They could only see their sinfulness. So the spirit that operates in you affects your seeing. Some can see answers. Some can see only problems. It's the same thing. But it depends on the spirit of seeing. So they saw their nakedness and they became ashamed of themselves. They became ashamed of themselves. So being soulish means being self-oriented, being self-dependent. And they got into fear and they got into shame and the devil got what he wanted. They ran from God instead of to God. God had not pronounced any judgment on them yet. Not yet. But they had run from God instead of to God. And that's what shame and guilt would do to you. Let's look at Numbers chapter 33, verse 35. Numbers 33 to verse, uh, Numbers 33, verse 55. Shame and guilt, they are no good. You don't want that and you don't want that to happen to anyone. Shame and guilt would turn a person away from God. God wants you to feel good about yourself. God wants you to think good about yourself. It's his goodness that brings you to repentance. Can we say 
Amen. It's only when you start to see good about yourself that you can see a good future ahead of you. Amen. So look at Numbers 33, verse 55. But if you will not drive out the inhabitants of the land, the inhabitants in your mind, the inhabitants in your soul, from before you, then it shall come to pass that those which you let to remain shall be bricks in your eyes and thorns in your sides and shall vex you in the land wherein you dwell. So that means if you don't deal with the issues and the problems that you have in your inner world, in your soul, they will captivate you, they will capture you, they will make you a prisoner. It's very, very important that we deal with what's in the soul, what's in the inner world. Amen. When the light comes, plug out all that is unprofitable, plug out all that is destructive, plug out the voice of the tempter. Can we say amen? The tempter could not attack you without a foothold in your life. What is that foothold? The foothold is this person called self. Self. And that's why it's so important that we live with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth. That's why it is so important that we meditate on the Word with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Have a quiet time and listen. Listen to the Holy Spirit who will talk to you in your heart, who will talk to you in your conscience, who will give you visions and dreams, who will give you pictures. Can we say amen? Amen. So instead of focusing on ourselves or blaming someone else or hiding or running away or pretending, no, we pluck out the roots. Amen. If you don't want to be broken again and again and again, if you don't want to live in the junk again and again and again, it is important that you do something about the evil that is attached to you. Now, you're good. You're good all the time, but it's just like a dog. Ticks can attach to a dog. How many of you have seen ticks attached to a dog or to a cat? And what do you have to do? You have to remove them. You have to plug them out. Amen? So it's very, very important. Now, God is not condemning you. He's not judging you. He's not criticizing you. But he's saying you need to remove, to remove the wrong things that are stuck to your soul, the wrong things that are attached to your soul. Can we say amen? Well, you say, why didn't God do it for me? No, God is freedom. God is liberty. He won't intrude into your life. He won't just come from heaven and comb your hair. (laughs) He won't come from heaven and arrange your furniture. You know, some of us do. We go into somebody else and try to arrange their furniture. No, God doesn't do that. (laughs) God is perfect liberty, perfect freedom. As I said last Sunday, Even if the person chooses to go to hell, God will still allow him. Even when Lucifer, he chose to fall, God still allowed him because God is freedom. Remember, devils control. God gives freedom. Amen? Demons control and manipulate, but God gives 
freedom. Amen. And he gives you the knowledge to choose. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 22. So you ask me, Pastor Dora, why do we live on this earth? What's the point? What's the purpose? We live on this earth to be transformed. Now, if you read the book of Revelation, you notice that the babies that were saved and and are now in heaven, they have to grow up as well. And that's why, you know, Lucifer will be let loose again. So everyone has to grow up. Everyone has to be given a chance to choose. That's to God. Every one of us is given a chance to choose our destiny. Your destiny is your choice. Your destiny is your choice. Your destiny is your decision. Every one of us is given a choice to choose our destiny. And then once you've chosen your destiny, according to his will, the support will come to you. The guidance will come to you. The revelation will come to you. The resources will come to you. Can we say amen? Amen. So transformation. Come on, say with me, transformation. How do I know that I'm growing in the Lord? Look at my own character. Look at my soul. Have I been transformed? I used to get angry very easily. But now it takes me longer to get angry. Or it takes me shorter not to be angry. Can we say amen? Then you are being transformed. In the past, I was very afraid of sickness. I was afraid that I would have cancer. I was afraid that I would have leukemia. I was afraid of this. I was afraid of that. But now I'm less prone to the spirit of fear. I'm less prone to the temptation to fear. So what has happened? You have been transformed. Amen. Lift up your hands with me and say, I'm being transformed from faith to faith, from glory to glory. Amen. Let's look at the I. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 22, I want you to, um, Matthew 7, 22, uh, where is the evil eye? I thought it's Matthew 7, 22. I must have got the wrong scripture. All right, maybe somebody can look it up for me. So in Matthew, uh, Jesus mentioned an evil eye. In the gospel of Matthew, an evil eye. Jesus mentioned that. Is it in 7.22? Is it the latter part of that verse? Okay, if somebody can look it up. All right. So an evil eye. A 6.20. All right, can we look at Matthew 6.20? So Jesus talked about an evil eye. So we better know what an evil eye is. All right. How many of you, um, how many of you remember Bathsheba? Yes? 6.22. Yeah. Uh, where is that? Hey? 623, thank you. 23, yes. If your eye be evil, on, uh, anyway, if your eye be evil, we'll go to that later. Okay, how many of you remember Bathsheba? You know, the Holy Ghost shines on that name, you know? Bathsheba describes exactly what she was doing. Bath. She bathed. She was bathing herself. Bath. She bath. 
David saw that moment. And because lust was already present in him, it was drawn out. And the lust, the sexual lust, gave birth also to the lust to kill her husband. And that consequence rested on his family and rested on his children. If you follow the um, genealogy of David, a lot of his children committed the same thing, sexual lust. And because of that, David learned. What's so good about David is that he's very repentant and he's very teachable and he's very quick to learn. So if you look at Psalm 25, verse 15, Psalm 25, verse 15, Psalm 25, verse 15, my eyes are ever toward the Lord because he realized how bad it was when his eyes were somewhere else. My eyes are ever toward the Lord for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. So we're talking about somebody who had experienced a fall because of the evil eye. And now he had grown to become spiritually more sensitive. He's now spiritually more sensitive, spiritually more discerning. He could tell the traps and the snares of the devil. And he's saying that my eyes on the Lord, that's the way that God will pluck my feet from the destroyer, from the snares and the traps of the destroyer. Amen? Amen? And praise God for Jesus. Amen for the New Testament believers that we can repent and then we be washed and be cleansed and be forgiven. And what's more, your record completely obliterated. He had forgiven you of all of your sin. And not only had he forgiven, he had also forgotten. All things have passed away. All things have passed away. You know, I'm fully convinced that God doesn't even remember my age. You know, you keep reminding yourself, I'm 70, you know, I'm 70, I'm 80. God doesn't remember your age. Because in his eyes, you are an eternal being. You are an eternal being. Time does not exist in the realm of the spirit. It's eternity. Time is for the earth, but not for heaven. Amen. Glory be to God. Okay, let's look at Luke chapter 11, verse 34. Luke 11, verse 34. Let's look at Luke 11, verse 34. 2020, spiritual vision. The light of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is single, your whole body is full of light. But if your eye is evil, your body is full of darkness. All right? And if you look at Matthew uh, chapter 6, verse 23, Matthew 6, 23, if your eye be evil, your whole body will be full of darkness. And therefore, if the light that is in you be darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, there is a direct correlation between light and sight. If there is no light, there is no sight. If you stay in darkness for a long time, you will lose your power to see. Do you know that? It's very important that we understand it. 
So if you see through your subjective negative lens based on your past experiences and opinions, if that's how you see through the eyes of your soul instead of seeing through the Word of God, instead of seeing through faith in God's Word, your eye becomes an evil eye. Why is it an evil eye? It's an evil eye of unbelief. An evil eye of unbelief that pollutes, that pollutes everything that you see, including people, including circumstances, including your businesses, including yourself. An evil eye of unbelief. God does not want us to see through that. God has given us the eye of faith. Come on, say with me, the eye of faith. An evil eye of prejudice, fatalism, pessimism, fear, covetousness, lust, pride, self-righteousness, addictions, etc., etc. God does not want you to see through an evil eye. Why? Because your eye is the gate to your heart. Now, there are openings on your physical body, the eyes. They are one of the openings, one of the gates onto, into the inside of you, all right? So the eye is the gate to your heart. And your heart connects either with your spirit or your soul. And that's why sometimes when you read the, the Bible, it's hard. You know, sometimes the eye is talking about the spirit. Sometimes the eye is talking about the soul. Because your heart, which is the center of your being, can connect with your soul or with your spirit is up to you to choose because you are the master of your heart, all right? So the eye is where the focus is. It's where your focus is. So Jesus is saying that if your focus is dedicated to him, to his word, to his plan for your life, to his declaration for you, and not be distracted by people, not be distracted by situations and circumstances, not be distracted even by yourself, then you will get a lot of light. A lot of light. How many of you know that, for example, if, you're, if you have a hose that's connected to a tap, if your hose is very muddy, you know, it's got a lot of mud, then the water won't come out or only a little bit. You know, only a little bit of water will start to trickle. So the same, your capacity matters. Stay with me, capacity. One more time, capacity. So your capacity for light is very, very important. The devil is trying to fill you with junk, to fill you with other stuff, to fill you with darkness, to fill you with sin, so that your capacity for God becomes very limited. How many of you know that a sick person is very self-centered? Because he has to deal with his pain. He has to deal with his discomfort. How many of you know that a depressed person is, a depressed person is very self-centered? Because he has to deal with his feelings and all the thoughts. And as a result of that, the room that is left for God, that is left for the light, is very, very small. Where can we find light? Come on, heavenly light. Come on, tell me, church. Where can you find light? The Word, exactly. Your Word is a lamb unto my feet and a light unto my path. 
Remember in the gospel of John, in him was life and the life was the light of men. So God is light. His life is light. And therefore, you know, you don't have to earn his goodness. He is goodness. He has nothing bad to give to you. Can we say amen? Hallelujah. When you're in his presence, you're in the light. You're in the light. And you will see very well. And that's why all the prophets in the Old Testament, because they were in the presence of God. They saw into the future. They saw into the realm of the spirit. Whereas for somebody who is always living for himself or herself, or somebody who is always in sin, what happened? It's darkness. Darkness and grows darkness. Amen. And darkness means blindness. Darkness means blindness. A lack of clarity, a lack of direction, a lack of life, a lack of resources. Darkness can turn a person into a victim. Devils operate in spiritual darkness is their territory. The world is in darkness. And Jesus called the devil the prince of the world. That means Satan or Lucifer is the prince of darkness. He welcomes everyone who loves darkness. Your eyes are also the windows that you look out from your inner world. From the inside, you look out at what's around you. So it is your choice to decide to look out from your soul or to look out from your spirit. Jesus chose always to look out from his spirit from the will of the Father. The devil is always trying you, like what he did with Eve, to look at the apple from her soul. That's where the lust is. So, stay away. Stay away from soulish Christians. Stay away from anyone who lives by the soul. You can love them, you can pray for them, but they should not be your close friends. Because you can be ensnared and entangled when you form a soul tie with them. Soulish vision can deem your vision, can impair and even decay your vision. Soulish vision is destructive. And the devil will use that to destroy you, even to take you to hell. So don't engage yourself in soulish vision. Can we say amen? Let's go to the good part, spiritual vision. (laughs) Spiritual vision, amen. Well, God has said many times in his word that we are to lift up our eyes, to lift up our eyes, to lift up our eyes. That means to lift yourself up from the natural to the supernatural, from the earthly to the heavenly. From the soulish to the spiritual. Amen. Abraham lifted up his eyes in Genesis twenty-two thirteen, And what did he see? A ram. Jehovah Jireh, the provision. And then in Genesis 21, verse 19, God opened the eyes of Hagar. 
And what did she see? She saw a well of water. If you want to see God's provision, if you want to see the move of Jehovah Jireh, you need to lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. Come on, say with me. Lift up my eyes. From myself to God. From situations to the word of God. Amen. Amen. And then if you look at uh, Genesis 31 verse 10, this is uh, Abraham's grandson, Jacob. What happened? Again, he lifted up his eyes and he saw in the dream. Now, I want you to understand that God will communicate with you in a dream. All right? God will communicate with you with dream, communicate with you through dreams and visions. So don't look down, don't despise them. All right? And what happened? Jacob saw in his dream that he was lifting up his eyes and he saw God's provision. And it came to pass in his real life. So say it with me one more time. Lift up my eyes. Amen. And 2 Kings chapter 6 verse 17. What happened to the servant of Elijah? He was really scared. He was really intimidated because the enemy had surrounded them. And then Elijah, who is full of faith, who is full of the presence of God, he asked God to open the eyes of his servant. And what happened? His spiritual eyes were opened. His spiritual eyes were opened. And he saw all the chariots and all the horses and the army of God. Amen. Now, why did his eyes, spiritual eyes, need to be open? Because they had been shut in the fall of Adam and Eve. Remember that? So God had to intervene through someone's prayer to open his spiritual eyes. And then in 1 Chronicles 21, verse 16, God was about to punish David because he was numbering his soldiers, right? And then when he lifted up his eyes, He saw the angel of God standing between heaven and earth, having a sword drawn in his hand, stretched out over Jerusalem. Well, the realm of the spirit can be seen. Come on, say this with me. The realm of the spirit can be clearly seen. If you look at Jesus in Luke chapter 10, verse 18, Jesus said, I saw Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Let the scripture sink into your spirit. Whenever you mention Satan, he is already fallen. Whenever you mention the devil, he is already fallen. He and his his demons, they have already fallen. Jesus said, I beheld Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Amen. Glory be to God. So the spiritual realm could be seen. The spiritual realm could be seen. It's just that sin had dimmed and blurred our spiritual vision. Say with me, I claim back my spiritual vision. Amen. Look at Proverbs chapter 20, verse 12. Proverbs 20, verse 12. There is such a thing called the discerning of spirits. You can look at a person and you can tell what is his spirit like. What is he thinking? What, what is she feeling? All right? Discerning of spirits. 
Proverbs 20, 12. The hearing ear, we talked about that. The seeing eye, the Lord hath made even both of them for you. For you. For you. If you read the book of Revelation, how many of you noticed that in the throne room of God, there were the, the cherubims, the seraphims, and then the creature that had a lot of eyes all over his wings. God is all-seeing, all-seeing, all-seeing. You think you're hiding from him? There's nothing, nothing that you can hide from him. And God wants us to live the same so we can see, we can see. Come on, say with me, I can see. Amen. Hallelujah. Spiritual functions are actually more powerful and more important than natural functions. And if you want to be able to see in the spirit, you have to choose to stop being soulish. Once again, what's the definition of being soulish? Being self-dependent, being self-righteous, enthroning yourself, care very much about how I feel, care very much about what I think. That's called being soulish. Remember what John the Baptist, what did he say? I must decrease, he must increase. What did, what did Paul say in the book of Galatians? It's no longer I who lives, but Jesus who is living in me. So if Jesus is living in me, I'm looking at things through the eyes of Christ. Amen? Come on, lift up your hands with me and say, I see through the eyes of Jesus. I see through the eyes of the word of God. Devil, get out in Jesus' name. So you ask me, Pastor Dora, is there any qualification that is required for spiritual vision? Absolutely, yes. You don't need to be qualified to be born again because Jesus paid for you. But anything else, you need to qualify yourself. You can't be sinning. And then expecting all the gifts of the Spirit to be manifesting in your life. You can't be sinning and expecting the favor of God in your life. Because sin will separate you from God. You can still go to heaven if you repent and be forgiven. But you ha- you'll live a terrible life. How many of us don't want to live a terrible life? We don't want to be broken again and again because we haven't learned the lesson. Amen. Let's learn our lessons. Can we say amen? Go with me to Isaiah 33. Isaiah 33, verse 15 to 17. He that walks righteously, so your walk matters, and speaks uprightly, how you talk matters. He that despises the gain of oppressions, how you make your money matters. And shakes his hands from holding of bribes. You don't manipulate others. That stops his ears from hearing of blood. You, you listen right. You stop hearing wrong. Shuts his eyes from seeing evil. It's important you choose not to see what is bad. You choose not to see evil. Remember what happened to Eve. Because she kept seeing kept engaging herself in a conversation with the devil, all right? So it's very, very important. And then if you look at verse 16, he shall dwell on high. There you go. His place of defense shall be the munitions of rocks. Bread shall be given to him. 
for protection, dwelling, and uh, provision. His waters shall be sure. Your eyes shall see the king in his beauty. Would you like that? Amen. Glory be to God. They shall behold the land, the promised land. Amen. You shall see your future, your promised land, which is very good. Can we say amen? Glory be to God. Amen. I want you to look at John chapter 9, verse 11. John chapter 9, verse 11. I want you to look at a miracle that Jesus did. Now, here was this man. He was born blind. You know, a lot of people, if they were born, you know, uh, what's that, debilitated, they would usually, you know, would have given up. But this man did not give up, all right? So he's being very active. He's being very proactive. So this man answered and said, A man that is called Jesus made clay, anointed my eyes, and said unto me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed, and I received sight. Now, I want you to look at this miracle. How did it happen? Do you want to get a miracle from God? All right, let's look at God's way of doing things. All right? So what did Jesus do? He anointed that man's eyes. He anointed his eyes. All right? And then he gave him an instruction. He gave him an instruction. He said, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So that man received the word with faith. And he acted on that word with faith. He obeyed that word. Remember, there's a Godward side. There's a manward side. Remember, he was blind. All right? And his eyes had been covered with clay. People will be mocking him. Why did you listen to that foolish man? You know, what are you doing? You blind man, you know, mocking him, laughing at him. But he was focused. He was focused on the word of Jesus. He said, I'm going to wash my eyes and I will receive my sight. So he was being proactive. He was being believing. All right. And then he went there and then he washed. And what happened? He got his miracle. He got his miracle. A man born blind. Now he saw. Can we say amen? Amen. Don't think that it's up to God. No, it's up to you. God does not intervene into your life. He does not intervene into your destiny. You need to choose. You need to believe. Faith is choosing to believe. Amen. Choosing to believe even in the face of difficult circumstances. Glory be to God. The Apostle Paul received both the natural and the spiritual sight. Look at Acts chapter 9, verse 18. What happened? He was persecuting the church. He was persecuting Christians. What happened? He got knocked down by the the light of heaven. He got knocked down by the light of heaven. It was not God punishing him. It was God giving him light. And his eyes, scales fell off. The scales of religion fell off his eyes, and then he received sight. Hallelujah. When Ananias came and lay hand on him. Glory be to God. And look at the commission that God gave him in Acts 26 verse 18. Acts 26 verse 18. Now God would not allow difficult time to come to you without coming to rescue you. 
All right? The natural mind, the natural mind would have thought, Saul would have thought, oh, I've been struck blind because God was punishing me because I was persecuting his church. No, God was delivering him from blindness, from spiritual blindness. And God spoke to Ananias to go and see him and gave him sight. If you look at Acts 26 verse 18, the commission that's given to Paul. So Paul received spiritual sight, not to hoard it to himself, but to give it to others, to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and, 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 don't just get forgiveness of sins. You must get the inheritance. Come on, say with me, inheritance. One more time, inheritance. Inheritance. Glory be to God. Amen. Glory be to God. Go back to, uh, what was I reading? Verse 18. Go back to verse 18. Can I have verse 18 back again? Amen. And receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them, which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Faith sanctifies you. Faith sanctifies you. Because faith operates by your spiritual vision instead of your soulish vision. Faith sees the answers instead of the problems. So lift up your hands and say, Lord, thank you for 2020 spiritual vision. I can perceive. I can see into the future. Amen. Glory be to God. Look at Acts chapter 8 verse 23. Acts 8 23. This is Peter. He said, I perceive, Acts 8, 23. Peter said, I perceive that you are in the gore of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. He perceived. He saw the spirit of the person. He saw what's in the soul of that person. All right? That's spiritual vision. Now go to Acts chapter 27. Acts 27, verse 10. Acts 27, verse 10. This is the Apostle Paul. He said, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage. Not only of the landing and the ship, but also our lives. So, so Paul saw into the future. But the, the, of course, the master of the ship did not listen to him. How many of you would like for God to tell you about your future? Would you like God to warn you about the things to come? Amen. To build your future. It is the will of God for us to be prophetic. It is the will of God for Christians to be prophetic. So that we can know ahead instead of being caught by surprises. So that we can prepare ourselves instead of at the last minute. Amen. So lift up your hands and say, Lord, I receive from you the spiritual vision to be prophetic. I desire to be prophetic. I desire to know my future, the plan that you have for me, the protection that you have for me, the provision that you have for me. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 hallelujah. So I will continue to talk about how to lay hold of your prophetic vision on the 11th of September.